Hi, thanks for joining us online. We're glad that you've chosen to access this message. It's so encouraging to know that God is using the ministry of Portico Community Church to touch the hearts and lives of people all across the world. If you have a story to share or a prayer request, we would love to hear from you at info at porticocanada.ca. To support our ministry, you can donate online by clicking on the Donate button at the top right of your screen. Once again, we're so glad that you've joined us. It's our prayer that this message from God's Word will deeply impact your life. Good morning. It is an awesome day. It's a sunny day. Uh, I see snow melting, so that's always a good sign. So open your Bibles to Nehemiah. We're going to get started. We're going to Nehemiah. For those of you who are brand new, we are in a series called Dare to be Different. Dare to be Different, Living Your Life on Purpose. And what we've been doing is we've been studying uh, the life of Nehemiah and focusing specifically on calling, the idea that like Nehemiah, every single one of us is called. God has a specific calling on your life to make an impact to those around you. And, and in Nehemiah's case, Nehemiah was an ordinary man who was, uh, was in exile at the time in uh, 450 BC, and he was actually a cupbearer to the king. And one day, Nehemiah gets this, this passion in his heart when he, when he talks to some friends that come into town and he inquires about how his city is doing, how his homeland is doing, and he finds out that the home uh, where he, he, he's from, where, where his people are, is in ruins, and, and the walls are in ruins, and the gates have been burned down, and so the people of Israel are just, just in turmoil. And so Nehemiah gets this passion, this, 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 um, this uh, just holy discontent over what's happening in Israel. And as a result, he felt this strong conviction that something needs to be done. And one of the things we talked about a couple of weeks ago was the idea that there are three ways for something to be done. It's to either do it yourself, hire someone else to do it, or forbid your kids to do it. And so, so Nehemiah, this ordinary man, gets this idea, gets this burning passion in his heart. He recognizes a need that's happening and he decides to step out in courageous faith and gets permission from the king to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And if you remember, two weeks ago we talked about how Nehemiah, he was just a cupbearer. He was a man that he had no power whatsoever, but what he did have was influence. And how like Nehemiah, we may not always have power where we're planted, where we are, but God has put you in a place of influence to fill a need, whether it's in your workplace, whether it's in your neighborhood, whether it's in your, your home or in your school, and whether you're here. God has brought you here for a reason, for a purpose, to be an influence to all of us in the room. And the idea that God will often take you out of your comfort zone to bring comfort to those around you. And when we look at last week, from, uh, picking up from last week, Nehemiah had already seen the state of the wall. He acknowledged all the problems and he told a few people what God had put on his heart. And knowing that they would be the people that would actually help building the wall. So we talked about the idea that it's important to bring people around that calling that you have in your life. The importance of not doing a call, not, not fulfilling your call or your mission or, or, or your purpose alone, but actually bringing other people around. Because nine times out of ten, God calls 
God's call for your life doesn't just involve you. It actually involves bringing people around you to help accomplish the mission that God has put on your heart or the mission that God has put on others' hearts. And so we get to chapter 3 today where we start to see a group of unlikely heroes emerge. Unlikely heroes that may not be, uh, you know, wearing tight spandex and uh, have bulging muscles. They don't have cool costumes, um, maybe not a crazy background, um, but rather they're just everyday people who respond when there's a problem. It's, uh, it actually reminds me, I don't know if you uh, follow the news at all, but just this past week in uh, Gross Mountain uh, in Vancouver, there was a, a father and son who were skiing, and they went up the, the slopes, they went up the chairlift, and they got about, I'd say, somewhere between 40 and 60 feet in the air. And suddenly the, the son slipped, and he actually fell through the chairlift. And just before he fell, his father reached out and he grabbed him by the arm. And so you can actually go on YouTube, you can check online, and you see this father holding on tight with everything that he can for minutes, holding on to his son, and his son is just dangling there. And and, uh, while they're showing this video, a couple minutes later, you see these people rush down underneath the chairlift, and they bring the, um, they bring the netting, the, the safety netting. It's usually orange, right? It's really vibrant. Um, if any of you have gone skiing for the first time, you are well aware of that red netting because it probably saved your life a ton of times, right? And so they run out there with this netting, and they actually put it underneath this chairlift, underneath the, the kid who's eight years old, so he's young. And he's dangling upwards of 60 feet in the air. This just happened this past week. And you see these people holding this netting and and one of them yells out, trust us, trust us, right? And and a a little bit later as they've, they've got five of them around this netting holding it up like a trampoline to, to brace for the impact of the kid falling, they yell, trust us, trust us. And the father and son decide that's the best option because the father couldn't get the son back up. And so you're, you're in this moment of just shock as you see this father let go of his son. And, and the son falls and he lands on the netting and he's safe. And it's an amazing story of unlikely heroes stepping in in a moment of need. And I think the crazier part of that story is those five people that helped that eight-year-old land a a, a 60-foot drop is that they were between the ages of 13 and 14. They were kids who saved that little boy. But that's what life is all about. It's, It's not what we always see right in the big pictures. It's not this big, bulging human right? That's, that's massive. It's everyday people willing to step up when there is a need. Like these five boys who made a difference, who became unlikely heroes. And like those boys, like Nehemiah, we are called to be those unlikely heroes too. Heroes arrive only when there is a problem. 
Once a problem is identified, they arrive. At Portico, our mission as a church is helping people find their way back to God. We recognize that there is a problem in the world. We recognize that there is a need in the world. And so our mission statement, our calling as, as a, a body of believers, as, as a community, is to help people find their way back to God. That is our calling. And we, we help people find their way back to God in the workplace, in our homes, in our cities, and around the world. And so today I actually want to highlight three important things when it comes to your calling today. Three important things. So if you've got your notes out... Feel free to take them out and also make sure you've got your Bible open to Nehemiah. We're going to start in chapter 2 and we're going to work our way over. So three things I want to highlight about your calling today. And the first thing is this, is that every one of you, you have an important part to play in the vision. You have an important part to play in the vision. There's a, a point in, in Nehemiah's life where he lets everyone know his plan to rebuild the walls. And he calls on everyone in the city, every citizen, to participate. But what ends up happening is suddenly there's people who oppose him. And they start making threats and they try and cast doubt on him. And they try and bring fear into his life by mocking him and, and making up rumors. But I love Nehemiah's response to them. He says in verse uh, Nehemiah 2.20, he says this, if you want to look at your Bibles, he says, the God of heaven will give us success. Up to this point, right, this is, this is his passion, this, is, this was his burden, this is what God put on his heart, and yet in this moment, he acknowledges everyone, everyone's participation. He says, the God of heaven will help us succeed. We, his servants, will start rebuilding the wall. Everyone had a part to play in his compelling vision. It wasn't just his anymore. Now it, it expanded, it went bigger. Every citizen of Jerusalem did their part in rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. And what's neat, if you, if you actually dig a little bit deeper into chapter 3, you start seeing that the people who did the repairs on the wall, they actually did the repairs on the opposite side of their homes, many of them. They were, they were doing it on the opposite side. Now, obviously, normally in most situations, you want to build your house up first. And yet Nehemiah has them making uh, an impact, rebuilding the walls across from them. You see, they weren't looking out for their own interests anymore, but rather the interests of others. They started working together, something they weren't doing before. They started helping each other. And likewise, we as the body of Christ, like us, the work of the church requires that everyone participate. Everyone helps in order for the body of Christ to be effective. It doesn't mean we all are the same person or that we do the same things, but everyone participates. If you're in this room, you have a responsibility, you have a calling to participate in the work of the Lord. God is calling you to make a difference. 
And we see this actually if you go to 1 Corinthians 12. Paul, in his writings, addresses this concern. He, he encourages this unity, this teamwork, this, this idea of everyone coming together and building up the church, making a difference. The, the fact that everyone has a part. In, in chapter 12, um, 11 to 12, it says, it is the one and only Holy Spirit who distributes all these gifts. So all of us have these gifts that the Holy Spirit gives. And he alone decides which gift each person should have. And the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is, so it is with the body of Christ. What is this saying? This is saying that if we represent the body of Christ, the body needs you. The body needs you because you are a different part of the body than others in the room. You're a different part. You are a part that God has designed specifically for a purpose within this house, within this community. Like he literally signaled you out, singled you out and said, I've got a plan for you in this place. You have a purpose in this place, in this community, in this city. And often we can, we can try and be someone else or, or something we think others want, but it's never what they need. What they need is you. That is what they need. They need you. They need the giftings that God has given you. A lot of that time we can do that comparison trap. Oh, I wish I had their giftings. I wish I was like them. You know, people will say, because I'm a pastor, they're like, oh, you know, I wish I had some of your giftings to be able to go out and do something. Let me tell you, you don't need two of me. Ask my wife. That would not go over well, right? And I, I'm sure many of you, if I, if I said, man, you know what? Like, Patrick's just amazing. I, I wish I just had his just authentic, authentic self and, and just his honesty, right? I'm sure uh, Shelly would look at me and go, well, you know what? He's great and all, but we don't want two of him, right? God gave me him alone, and I'm handling that, right? <laughs> just joking, just joking. We love you, Patrick. Right? There's already one of me. There's, there's one of Patrick. There's one of Shelly. We don't need a second. What we need is you. We need what you bring to the table. And I know sometimes we think, well, you know what? Uh, what am I? I'm just a stay-at-home mom, right? I'm, I'm a stay-at-home dad. What am I? I tell you what you are. You are a child of God. You are dearly loved. And the gifts and the service that you're bringing, not only to your family, but to our community in being an image of, of Christ is making an incredible difference. Never forget that. Never forget that. You are important. You are a part of the body, and what you are doing is making a difference. When you use the gifts God has entrusted to you is when we become more effective as a church. It's when we become more effective as the body of Christ. Kind of like this guy, Jeff. Let's look to the screens. For a competition. So they drop baby. Like that.
My name is Jeff Willis. I'm from Toronto, Canada, and I'm a real estate investor and contractor. So I heard about Harvey, uh, Hurricane Harvey, when it hit. It was all over the news, of course. The strongest storm to hit the state in half a century. Storm flood disaster in southeast Texas for days or even weeks. Yeah, and I said, well, I gotta go, I gotta help out. And at that point in time, two words came to my mind, shifted focus. I said, I need to shift my focus from what's going on in my life and my world and focus on the needs of others. God's promises if we serve the needs of others that will always be provided for anyway. And, and I really wasn't too worried about anything else at that point in time as much as I was just listening to my heart yanking, something yanking on my heart to say, come down here. And then I was able to connect with Connor uh, in the long run. Just said, Connor, myself and possibly a couple of the guys are going to come down. What can we do? Let's jump in the truck and go. And that's exactly what we did. We put the tools in the truck, left on a Thursday night, got to work on Saturday morning. The first time that we were here, I met the Perez family. And their entire main floor was gone. And when we walked in there and just saw how they were living and stuff was in every single room, I thought, wow. You know, how do you live in that? That's a feeling of being overwhelmed. And so that was really an amazing opportunity to work with them, to be able to be part of that experience and to show them how to do things, to encourage them. And we had a ton of fun together, you know, dancing, telling jokes all the time, uh, talking about who was the employee of the day and who got to wear the fancy shirt or the fancy hat. It was really just a lot of fun to do that with them. Just to see, I think to see them have their joy back. They're not just getting their home back, they were getting their joy back. And, you know, we said to them one night, listen, you know, you guys need some family time. We're going to leave. You guys can have your dinner. And she says to me, but you are family, so you're staying for dinner. It was just amazing to see that we were actually part of the family for the week. We weren't just contractors coming in and doing something. We were part of their family. It's amazing. Amazing. Did you notice that uh, there was only one person dancing? He was like, we would have these dance parties and stuff like that. I'm like, I only see one Canadian dancing, right? The Americans are just like, what is he doing, right? <clears throat> I remember actually uh, uh, a few years ago, Jeff started coming to our church. And I remember talking with him, and we actually went out for lunch one day. There was a lot going on, a lot of messy situations going on in his, in his life and his family. And I remember him just saying, like, what am I doing with my life? What am I, what am I to do? And we just got to encourage one another and, and have a nice meal and we talked. And you know what the amazing thing is, is, is Jeff has been able to since catch the vision of what our calling as a church is to do. He had this incredible gifting that was for the community, this incredible gifting to build. And see, so he just, he, he knew in his heart, he saw what happened with the hurricanes in New Orleans, and he just said, I've got to do something. I think I can do something about this. And just like Jeff, that's the same thing for, for you and I. It's finding that thing that resonates with our heart and making a difference. However big or small, we can, we can be involved in it. But it's a, it's a matter of just doing something about it being a part of that body, being more effective as a church.
Because the truth is, is when you are not operating in your calling, people miss out on what you give. People miss out on what you give. You know, a lot of times we can think when we come to church, it's to sing a couple songs, it's to, it's to hear a guy speak, and, and then it's just to have some coffee and go home. But it's so much more than that. These are just some of the things that we've been doing and, and the church has been doing for, for thousands of years. But the most important part, and I've always said, is, is the fact that, man, you know, if we haven't encouraged one person or built up one person as we gather together, have we actually done church properly? Yeah. Are we really doing it? Right? We, get, we got the, the praise part where we, we give our all to God, but we're also meant to build each other up. Right? That's the whole point of God giving us those gifts. The Holy Spirit gives these gifts for you to build up the church. And so we miss out when you're absent. We miss out when you're away. We miss out when, when you're not living out what God has tugged on your heart to, to do, whatever that is. Jesus said, I will build my church. I will build my church and you will be my witnesses. Friends, he's talking about you and I here. You and I, we have the privilege of having an important part to play in what God is accomplishing here on earth. And it's not one that is self-serving or independent of others. It's not at all. Second point that I want to make when it comes to our calling is that your calling is serving with others. Your calling is serving with others. Knowing that the work was, was too much for Nehemiah, he ends up recruiting the citizens of Jerusalem to start building the wall. And he starts going on listing all these people and what they did in building the wall and the accomplishments and, and who they were. He identified all of them. If you look, in, uh, if you look to your Bibles in Nehemiah 3, um, verse 6 and 8, he says, Then Jish- uh, the Jishana gate was uh, repaired by Joida, son of Pasah, and Meshulam, son of Basoda. They, they laid its beams and put its doors with their bolts and bars in place, and next to them repairs were made by the men of Gibeon and Mizpah. Uh, Malaysia of Gibeon and Jadon of Maranoth placed under the authority of the governor of Trans-Euphrates, Uziel uh, son of Hara, and one of the goldsmiths repaired the next section, and Hanina, one of the perfume makers, made repairs next to that. They restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. So you have all these people that have really hard names to pronounce. <laughs> Coming into the picture and, and <laughs> the whole time I'm saying it, I'm like, oh, missed that one. Missed that one too. Um, and that's okay. That's okay. You guys are forgiving and I appreciate that. But you have all these people coming in and participating in the work and they're doing it together. And you know what I find so interesting about these men? All, uh, and, and women and, and children, all these people that participated, is when you look at them, none of them are necessarily gifted at building walls. None of them have that gift. 
That wasn't their trade. They had other talents. They had other giftings, and yet they worked together to meet a need. And similarly for us in a campus, I always say there's two things to focus on. At our campus, we have functions and we have giftings. Functions and giftings. Functions would be something like uh, the setup crew today, right? You're not necessarily gifted to, you know, it's not a gift to stack chairs or, or set up a room, right? It's not necessarily a gift, but it's a function. It's something that they're saying, you know what? I see a need and I'm willing to step up and do. Now, mind you, there are giftings, things that, that we are called to, and you see it in, in some of the, the roles that people play. They feel really called to children's ministry, to teach the children, or, or in our youth program, right? Or, or in, in the band, or, or people that are in tech. There's, there's certain positions that are giftings, but then there's certain ones that are functions. People that are really just willing to serve wherever needed, you know, when I, when I set up chairs, I'm not, I, I don't call it a gift. I, you know, I'm not like, well, you know what? God has blessed me with the arch in my back to be able to lift properly, right? I was able to do a lot of squats as a kid, and thankfully God has gifted me with, you know, quads and stuff that I can lift the chair properly. And it's not like that. It's a function. It's things that we need to do to meet together. And we serve faithfully in that. We're willing to do that. If you look at the, the list I, I said after butchering all the names, you'll, you'll, you'll see that there was one man who was a perfume maker. My guess is he was not good at building walls, right? That's just my observation. But he was willing to meet a need because he saw the vision. You know, often we can find reasons not to participate because it's, it isn't our gifting. It's not our passion or we don't have the time. But let me just say this. Neither is doing the trash at home. Neither is, is sometimes cooking or, or cleaning, right? It might not be your passion. It might not be your gifting. But you do it because you love your family. That's why you do it. And it's the same with why we do these things at church, why we, we set up in the morning, why we, we go all out to, to make sure that everything looks presentable and that people can have a wonderful time, a wonderful experience and, and express an af- atmosphere of worship and, and praise God. We do all these things because we love our family. That's why we do it. That's why we serve. That's why we make time. We love our family. And we know that we're called to serve others. And this is actually something that we really struggle with in the 21st century. It's, it's something that we struggle today. In fact, a lot of times we exempt ourselves from serving. From serving in the community or, or serving in the church. It's actually like the men, uh, uh, sorry, the nobles of Tekoa. If you read through chapter, uh, chapter 3, you'll see in verse 5, it says that there were the nobles of Tekoa who refused to build. They refused to build. They were disdained from manual labor and, and they would not work under any circumstance and they would not work under any supervisor. And what you see is before Nehemiah came, everyone was just doing their own thing, which was a mess. 
And so the nobles of, of Decoa, uh, their response was in response to what was and not what could be if simply they served. And a lot of the times we can think the same way. Well, you know what? This is how it's always been. We can think of what was or what is, but not always what could be if I used my giftings to make a difference here. If I used the willingness to just serve and, and operate and do a function to, to, to make sure that things would, would be better for our community. The interesting fact, when, when you read the story and you see that the nobles refused to, to build, you actually find out later on in, in verse 27, if you want to look at, uh, at chapter 3, you see that the men of Tekoa, uh, without the help of the nobles, built their section of the wall. And then it says in verse 27 that they went on to build another section that they actually built twice as much as everyone else. They did twice the work. And don't get me wrong, they were busy. These men were busy. They they not only had their businesses, right, or their work, they had their families, right? They had all these other things that were going on and yet were still able to build a wall and actually be able to do double. They actually say that 20% of the church does 80% of the work. I wonder what would happen to our church if everyone participated like the men of Tekoa. And I'm not here to condemn you. Every, every week, I refuse to get up here if what I'm not saying is not going to be loving. If it's not going to be loving, I don't want to say it. And so please don't think that I'm condemning you or or convicting you or anything like that. What I say comes with love. Can you imagine if every single one of us were like the men of Tekoa who stepped up and made a difference? You know, at the end of the day, if it's important to you, you make a priority of it. We prioritize what is important And some of the difficulties of that is you actually see the result of your priorities. You see the fruit of your priorities. For some of us who would say, you know, I'm just way too busy to serve. I'm way too, my my family, my house is just way too busy. The truth is, is you're going to see the fruit of that busyness. You're going to see an exhausted home. You're going to see a struggling home. Priorities are important. This is what I always like to think when it comes to busyness. Busyness does not permit me to neglect my calling. All it does is reinforce the need to prioritize my life around what matters most. What matters most? My relationship with God. My relationship with my family. My relationship with you. Those are my priorities. And so in the busyness of it all, am I making sure that I'm prioritizing my life to be the best me for all of you? Are you prioritizing your life to be the best you for everyone in this room? Serving others 
Loving God, loving people has to be a priority. And I tell you, Rachel and I said yes to, the, to coming here to this church because when I got to meet you, when I got to see you, when I got to see what was going on in Milton, both of us with a resounding yes, we're like, we love these people and we really believe in these people. We actually, we so believe in them. We can see incredible things happen in this community. And so we had no problem saying yes to coming here when Pastor Doug asked us. It's a privilege, it's an honor. Because we really think that you guys have incredible gifts, incredible talents that can make a difference in our church and in our community. The last thing I want to highlight about your calling is that your contribu—excuse uh, <coughs> me—your contribution should be equally celebrated. That's another thing I want to highlight about a calling. Your contribution should be equally celebrated. I love what Nehemiah does. He's, he's speaking to the people. And, and he writes in, in chapter 4, he says, 4 verse 6, he says, So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height, for the people worked with all their heart. You notice what he says there? He says, we rebuilt the wall. He says, the people worked with all their heart. Nehemiah celebrated the people. He had celebrated what they had done. No one specifically was, was, was highlighted above anyone else. In fact, if you read through, he's not even mentioned in the list. He leaves himself out. And some of you are like a Nehemiah casting the vision and others are serving into the vision. And I actually believe that God will honor the call if you honor those who are walking alongside you. Honor people who serve in the foreground and the background. You know what I love about our church? No one is better than anyone else. We're all children of God. We all have giftings and callings. I know that sometimes we can, you know, see, see the band and we think, oh, wow, look at the band, look at the band. You know what I see? I see, wow, look at, look at Sam and, and, and Steve who set up this building. Wow, that's awesome. Thank you for those guys, guys like Dave and Joe who do that stuff in the background. Actually, you know what? I'm going to embarrass them. Why don't, let me get the guys who set up to stand up. Let me just, I just want to acknowledge you. Yeah. So why don't you stand up? Seriously, like when we look at this place. Thank you. Yeah. No, but seriously, and these are just a few of them. These are just a few. I think of Nellie and Veronica who are constantly just greeting people and welcoming them. Right? I bet if I went up to them and said, how many people did you hug today? They'd be like, well, probably 90, right? Well, what about the other 20? Well, you know what? They didn't seem like they wanted to hug today. That's okay, right? (laughs) We don't want to be that church, you know? Right? I think of Liz, who who literally all the time is is at the children's uh, station greeting these kids, and she knows their name by heart, literally. If ever I'm like, what's that kid's name? I go to her right? And she's always in the background. 
and her husband, Manir, and, and their daughter, Zara, right? They're, they're in the background, and we celebrate them today. You see, we're a church that celebrates everyone, and we want to celebrate you and your giftings. We want to celebrate you and what you bring here when we do set up and when we do random things in the community and involvement because we're a church that celebrates each other. I love this story of Nehemiah because the wall was finished quickly. It was finished quickly because the people had set their hearts and minds on accomplishing the task. They did it together. You know, often we quit because we're bearing the weight alone. Some of you have a calling on your life. You have something that God's put on your heart. And the reason why you're fatigued and exhausted is because you're doing it alone. We need to resist the temptation to do things alone. No one individual could accomplish the task of building that wall. Likewise, there is no such thing as an individualistic, a solitary Christianity. You need to get involved with others and not just enjoy your relationship with God alone. We are called to do this together. And I firmly believe that something great is going to happen in this season as we all step up and work together to make a difference in our community. Amen? Thanks for watching today. Be sure to check out our other messages on this page, and you can also watch us live online every Sunday morning at 1010 a.m. Don't forget, share your story or send us a prayer request by emailing info at porticocanada.ca. You can also stay connected by liking our Facebook page or following us on Twitter at PorticoCC. 